Let's pray together. Lord, in you we find our rest. In you we find our death. In you we find our all. And our emptiness, but it all makes sense. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the space and this opportunity to come together and to worship you in this new space that God, that you have provided for us. Heavenly Father, who would have thought, even let alone three years ago, not too long ago, but it felt like eternity, that God, that we made a decision to become an independent church, that God, that we will be led into this place, that you will lead us into the desert and the journey. And even though this is not the final destination, even though life is always progressing, it's always moving, that God, as we get older, God, we thank you. We just want to thank you for your faithfulness. We just want to take this moment right now to reflect and to think and to meditate on your goodness, oh God. Oh God, how good you are and how faithful you are and how faithless we are and we have been. Heavenly Father, I want to say, God, forgive us. Forgive us, God, for having a rebellious attitude, for God doubting you, for not pulling, pulling, putting our full trust in you, oh God. Heavenly Father, we make a decision today to recommit our hearts back to you, O God. And God, we say and we declare with our lips and with our hearts, with our soul and the flesh, all of our being, that God, that you are good. And God, that you are my God and you are our Lord. Jesus, thank you for everything, your provision and your faithfulness. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all that you do behind the scenes, the things that we don't even we're not even aware of. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for giving us this day to be alive and to live this day and to worship you once again on this beautiful Sunday. So God, I pray as you transition now, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth with this mes- message, I pray, God, that the meditation of all of our hearts Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. For God, you are a rock and our Redeemer. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory and honor. We praise you, God, today. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Can we all take our seat? Uh, I know we're a little bit out of our element. It feels a little weird. And the praise team, you guys did an amazing job. And I'm just very excited to be here in this space. For me, it's a little awkward, to be honest, to be here also. But you know what? We could preach and we can worship God anywhere. Amen? Amen. Okay, so with that, uh, we're going to continue on with our Philemon Philemon series. We did the first one in the first Sunday of this new year in 2021. And then we had our church series. And then now we're going back to the Philemon Philemon series. And we're going to continue on today at this new location. The title of today's message is called Dear Philemon. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Dear Philemon? Or Dear Philemon, however you want to call it. Uh, Let's just go ahead and start with the scripture. I just want to go ahead and reread. Again, Philemon is a very...
short book. It's only one chapter. I want us to go ahead and reread. Last time, the first Sunday, we went from verse 1 to verse 7, and then we're going to continue. But right now, we're going to go ahead and read the whole chapter from verse 1 to verse 25. So let's begin with the letter. It says this, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, the title says, Thanksgiving and Prayer. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Verse 8, the title says, Paul's plea for Onesimus. Verse 8, therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, on the basis, on the basis of, love. of love? Just like when I want, if you guys ask someone to do something, you don't want them to do it because you asked them to do it or they're being forced to do it, but because they want to do it voluntarily from their heart. I appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Here, Paul is at a time where he is an older man at this time, but he's not just talking about his age, his physical age. He's talking about the toil that he went through of just being in the ministry for many years, right? Just the hardship of just worrying about his members, the church, the opposition, the imprisonment that he had to go through, the, the pain that he had to go through. He's talking about his spiritual age, his experience in life. An old man and now also prisoner of Christ Jesus. Again, he is in prison as he's saying this. Verse 10, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son when I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Verse 12, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will not seem forced but will be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you will welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, 
that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I have to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greeting, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. From verse 12 to verse 22, just everything that we see here in this passage is just very beautiful because there's a lot of self-sacrifice, selflessness, and even in, the, in verse 22, prepare a guest room for me. Even that line, when I, think of, when I read that line, I think about our brother, Randy, in the Philippines, where he would prepare his home, or even pastor Relax, where they would prepare their home. Even brother Randy, who would prepare a room, he was saying that he was building a room for me when I come visit, so I don't have to spend money in like a motel or hotel, but I think he's probably using it for something else, because we haven't visited them for like two years now, because of the pandemic and everything. But the heart behind it is beautiful. And we see in this letter, just so that we can recap our memory of what's happening, it's a letter from Paul to Philemon, P to P, on behalf of O, Onesimus. Who is Onesimus or Onesimus? Who is he? Onesimus was a slave that used to be a slave to his master, Philemon. So Philemon was the master of Onesimus. And this is before Onesimus, Onesimus, he met Christ. What happened was Onesimus, he didn't want to be a slave anymore. So what he did was he stole money from Philemon. He saw something from Philemon, and he was a runaway slave. He ran away from his master. But somehow along the journey, and God, he works in mysterious ways. Onesimus, he meets someone that Philemon knew, which was Paul. And through Paul, he meets Jesus Christ. He has introduced the gospel, and he becomes saved. Onesimus, he becomes saved, and now he is a servant to his Lord Jesus Christ. But not only was he just a casual member, Onesimus, Onesimus became a very crucial member that Paul came to love. Paul even calls him his son his spiritual son. And it's kind of crazy, right? Because back then, they didn't have social media. Sometimes, like, when you add a friend or they add you, you become friends and you realize who you know. Oh, you know this person, this and this. But back then, that was impossible because there was not a lot of traveling. If you really wanted to be gone, you can be gone. You could be in hiding and no one will know where you are. But the fact that Onesimus got to meet Paul and Paul knew Philemon from the past, and Paul was very close to Philemon, it means that God's grace and his appointing time was perfect in the way that things happened. Just like us, even coming here in this space. For God to bring us to a place, to be here, it's not an accident. This is not a coincidence. For God had purpose and a plan behind the life of Onesimus and 
Philemon. So within that story, what the book of Philemon is teaching us is this. He's teaching Philemon, what he's teaching him is this. If the truth of God, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is not true, is not evident in your life, everything you do in life is all for nothing. You guys can come in, help set up the chairs. We can put the tape. We could set up the equipment. We could, we could vacuum. We can do all these things. And we can go to all the Bible study. We can do everything. But if there's no love and if there's no forgiveness in your life, then everything is for nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you do not have love, you're just a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. You're just noise. And that's all, you're, that's all you are. That's the substance that you have, just an empty shell. If love and forgiveness are not shown in our lives, the book of Philemon is teaching us, it is all for nothing. You can have all the knowledge. You can study all the theology, all the books. In the back, you'll see, I brought all of my favorite books. I brought it, and I'm going to, I don't have the shelf yet, but I brought all of it this morning. I was very excited. You can know all the knowledge of the Bible and Scripture. But if Christ is not evident in your life, it's all for nothing. And I battle this every single day for me personally. Finally, man, is a personal letter written to him and for him by the apostle Paul himself. Verse 9, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love, not on the basis of theology or in knowledge, but on the basis of love, it is as none other than Paul, an old man, now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, only Christ has the power to reunite and heal us. Social media, sporting events, World Cup, when people come together, nations come together, we root for our nation. Yes, that might bring us together for a short while, but only Christ can unite us, and only the redemption work of Jesus Christ can save us and rescue us. The blood that was shed on the cross, the power of Christ can only unite us, not anything else. So dear Philemon, you must forgive and accept Onesimus back. Let's begin our point number one. And this is the foundation for all of our points. And the most important, number one is this. Allow Christ to work. Allow Christ to work. I know the title says, Dear Philemon, but I'm here to talk about the main theme of this book, which is forgiveness. So again, with forgiveness, you must allow Christ to work. Please pray every single day and ask God to work. When you try to forgive someone with your own strength, it falls short, it will not last. But it has to happen through Jesus Christ. If Onesimus had gone to Philemon without Paul, without God's appointed time and season, it would have been premature and it would not have worked. But God's timing is perfect, and you must pray for God's timing. Some of you here, we deal with a lot of unforgiveness in our lives, especially for those who come from broken 
families, when you have broken relationships. I know that you're praying a lot for your parents. You're praying a lot for your siblings. You're praying for the relationship to be restored. But before you go ahead and you act and you do it prematurely, you must pray and ask God to lead you as God led Onesimus to meet Paul and there's an order to the way that everything is done. There's a quote that I have in my home office. It says, when man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. We must pray to God and ask for Christ to work within our lives, within our families. Because you must not, do not forgive. And prematurely, start letting everyone step all over you. This includes family, friends, etc. These people, again, especially the same people who have hurt you and are hurting you, do not forgive and prematurely start letting everyone step over you again. Because it's just going to go in a cycle of unhealthy cycle. They're not even going to understand why. It's going to go on and on and on and on. And this includes your family, your friends, your close relationships. You must understand that people are not good. People are not angels. Jordan Peterson, I don't know if you guys know, but he talks about one of his patients, about how this individual grew up being taught by her parents at, an, at a young age that all adults were angels, right? Angels, like chakhe, really nice people, all kind, that they have good intentions towards you. And as she grew up, as she got older, she went through so much trauma because she got hurt by people left and right. The trauma that she went through by being hurt and betrayed by the people that she thought she could trust. But Jordan Peterson, he was teaching her that, listen, people are not angels. People are not good. By nature, we are all corrupt, that we are all susceptible if we grew up in a very bad environment, all of us, most likely, if we grew up in Germany during the 1930s, especially with World War II, leading up to World War II, 39 to 43, 45. When did World War II end? 1939, 1945? At 45? Most likely, you would have been a Nazi. Because that's how we are as people, as human beings. We are brainwashed and we follow the culture. Only a rare individual will stand up and do the right thing. People who help the Jews escape, who risk their lives. Jordan Peterson, he talks about how that's only rare, 0.001% of people who would do the right thing. Meaning people are not good. People are not angels. Therefore, you must allow Christ to work in your pursuit of forgiveness. Psalm 14.3 says this, All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Paul, he appeals for Onesimus because of his transformation of the gospel. Verse 10, Philemon 1.10, That I appeal to you, for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Paul, he knows that this is Christ that is working. He has allowed Christ to work. Christ is the one that is 
that is making all this happen. It is not Paul forcing Philemon to forgive. But Christ is the one that is pushing everything to go in this direction. And everything is being done in a natural way. Paul, he grew to love Onesimus. He even calls Onesimus his son, my son. Also, Paul had gone to, he's gone to know Onesimus. Onesimus has proven his loyalty, that he is a person of value and trustworthiness. Paul even says that while I was in chains, he came and he helped me. If people can help you in your hard times, right? There's a quote, I think Will Smith, he says this, that if you're absent during my struggle, don't expect to be present in my success. If people were there for you in your struggle, do not forget those people. Paul says, Onesimus helped me while I was in chains. This is why Paul, he appeals for Onesimus to forgive. Philemon, I'm asking you, and I believe that you'll be obedient because you owe me more than your life. You owe me far greater priceless debt to me. Remember, I introduced you to Jesus Christ, to the gospel. You owe me, Philemon. He appeals for Onesimus to forgive and to accept them back that he has proven his trueness and his loyalty. Philemon, I know that he stole from you and that he was a runaway slave. He ran away. I know that he betrayed you. But now you can welcome him back, not as a servant, not as a slave, but back as a fellow brother. Verse 16 to 19, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother, he is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you will welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, and I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. What is the payback and the owe of his very self? Again, the truth of the gospel. I mean, Paul, he is defending Onesimus, left and right. And it's because of the transformation power of the gospel because of the trust that Paul had with Onesimus, he says, please welcome him back. Even though he stole money from you, even though he betrayed you, even though he ran away from you, welcome him back home because Onesimus is no longer his old virgin, crooked and sly. He's been redeemed. Plus, you owe me so much more. I have given you a greater gift that nothing can compare on this earth is the relationship and the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a church, we've been through things, broken relationships with members. And I'll tell you right now, I have nothing that I hold against any, any individual, any time. If they were to visit me 10 years, 15 years, and they want to talk and reconcile, I am always available, and I'm always here, and I will always forgive, and I expect also 
to be forgiven because it goes both ways. Amen? So again, number one, allow Christ to work. Number two, forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is not an emotional decision, but it's a choice. It's a decision of the will. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Forgive for Christ's sake. Paul here, he is saying, whatever wrong, Philemon, he did to you, love him like a brother, for he is in Christ now. Love him. Verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you welcome me. Not if you feel like it, Philemon. He doesn't say if you feel like it, Philemon, welcome him. But he says, welcome him. It's a command. Welcome him as you would welcome me. If I come and visit you, Philemon, would you reject me? You welcome me. He is also our brother in Christ. Welcome him. Choose. Make that decision today. Forgiveness is a decision of the will. And again, I don't mean get taken advantage of by prematurely forgiving that individual not changing, hurting you over and over and over and over again. But again, forgiveness is a decision that we make every single day. Colossians 3.13 tells us this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Neither a feeling, emotion, is ultimately a choice, a decision that we make. Forgiveness, again, is not a feeling, nor is it excusing, nor is it forgetting. You still remember what happened, but it's about releasing that person. So forgiveness in Greek is aphemi, which means to release, to let go. Henceforth, you're releasing yourself from prison. If you do not release that person, but you decide to stay in your bitterness, you'll remain in prison of your life. Let me go ahead and let's get the lights and I'm going to show you guys a clip. I don't know what's happening to me, man. I do. You're not the loser you were when you first got here, Willie. You're just not used to being a winner. My father said I was a waste of his time. And his money. Your father was a loser, Willie. My old man was the same way. He spent so much time telling me I was no good, telling me it was nothing. I believed him. And why are you so pissed off all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably got something to do with it.
I know how you feel, Willie. You get to the point where you expect to screw up. You expect to fail. If we want to win, we got to let him go. Forgive him and move on. Forgive him? Forgive him. Otherwise, we give him too much power over us. And they don't deserve it. Well, how long it take you to forgive your dad? Just now. Just now. Forgiveness is a choice, is a decision. Even God says in Scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. When God says to us, it doesn't mean that he cannot remember our sins, like a man in black, stroke, and then you're gone, your memory is gone. But it's saying that he chooses to not remember your sins anymore. And this is a promise that he will not hold it against us. God is choosing to not remember our sins anymore. God is not going with feelings. God is also not forgetting, but he's choosing to forgive and to choose to remember our sins no more. He will never think of them again, it says NLT translation. God is not excusing our sins either, nor is he forgetting, nor is he going with his feelings. God is choosing to forgive us. Therefore, we also must choose to forgive. Hebrews 8, 12 says this, For I will forgive their wickedness. I will and will remember their sins no more. Psalm 103, 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has it removed our transgressions from us. And again, love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13. So you may be saying to yourself today as you're sitting here, but you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand what I've done or what I've been through. But I'm here to tell you, through the redemption work of Jesus Christ on the cross, he says to us today, I will, I can, and I will. I will forgive you. Again, forgiveness is a decision. Number three, forgiveness releases us from prison. Forgiveness releases us from prison. Just imagine a person sitting inside a prison, and the irony of it all is that it's unlocked. The door is not locked. They're just in there, they're free to leave anytime, but they don't. 
And that's what happens when we choose not to forgive. Forgiving will set you free from prison and from drinking the poisons of unforgiveness, of bitterness. And again, like we saw in the video, they will have too much power over you and they don't deserve it. Unless you forgive, you'll forever be a prisoner for life. I don't care how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter. Unforgiveness will destroy all of us. So Paul, with love, on the basis of love, he is looking out. Not, it seems like he's defending Onesimus, right? It seems like he's just looking out for Onesimus. No. He's really looking out for Philemon. He's looking out for his heart. He doesn't want Philemon's heart to become stone, hardened like stone, growing bitter, acting cold, slandering others with words. When you go to a nursing home, when we do our ministry, there are people who are so sweet. There are people who are also very strong and nasty with their words. It has to do with the heart. Forgiveness releases us from the bitterness and from the anger that we choose to hold. Unforgiveness is the poison we drink and the poison that we give to others. All those examples, right, becoming bitter, acting cold, slandering others, gossiping, pursuing revenge towards people, these are all poisons that we drink and we give unto others, but ultimately, it's going to destroy you more than that person. They're not even thinking about it. They don't even know what they're doing to you but you're letting that power take over you and that will destroy your walk with God. That will destroy your substance, your relationship, and who you are. So again, forgiveness releases us from prison. Verse 3, verse 25, verse 3 says this, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I mean, finally, man, he is blessed to receive this kind of letter from Paul, from the Paul, the Apostle Paul himself. Grace and peace, and grace and peace, finally, man, received. And finally, finally, man, is released. If he chooses to do so, to forgive Onesimus, he'll be released from the prison that he is sitting in. And the irony again, there is no lock. It's open anytime. Why do you choose to stay in prison and lock yourself in there? Get out. There's a world to live. There's a world to see. There's a life to live. Go out. Don't be in prison by unforgiveness and by bitterness. Number four, forgiveness is a matter of the it's a heart matter. It has to do with your heart, guys. From the smallest to the big things, it's all about the heart. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart. It's the heart matter. Verse 8 through 11 says this, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Right? Just like I can ask you guys if you can help me with this or do this. 
when we're fixing the church, when we're doing the renovation. You can do it because you feel like you're being forced or you feel like you have to do it because I'm asking you to do it. Paul said, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet, what I want, what I desire, what I prefer, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Love, love, love. Love makes you want to do things, yes? It's not forced. You don't have to get that flower. Oh, I have to do it so much. Oh, for so, oh. But you desire and you do it. And from the overflow of the heart, you do. On the basis of love. He's asking, finally, man, I'm appealing to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul. I mean, you could see the closeness of Philemon and, and Paul himself. Like, they're not strangers, right? He's saying it's none other than Paul. Your family, now an old man, now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Again, he was a runaway slave, stole money, did bad things, hurt Philemon. I'm sure they were close. He betrayed Philemon. They had a broken relationship. And what is beautiful here is that Paul's concern and care for Philemon is not his reputation, but is caring again for his heart. That is the key. So that his heart can be free from all bitterness and unforgiveness. Remember, the people who did not accept Jesus Christ in the scripture, as you read, were those who had hardened hearts. Remember Pharaoh? God showed miracle after miracle after miracle. And it says God hardened his heart. It doesn't mean God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It means his heart got to a point of no return. It was too late for him. It was impenetrable. Even to show the miracle of everything, of all the miracle that Moses did, a person who has a soft heart would recognize the truth, Yahweh, who he is. But Pharaoh, his heart became hard like a rock. That's why Ezekiel in chapter 36, he says, God, give me a heart of flesh. Not like stone, flesh. It doesn't mean worldly flesh, the desires of the world. It's talking about flesh. Like, you know, when you, like when I just glaze Dan's stomach, he just he tickles like the senses and he can't stop laughing, right? Flesh, you can feel everything. You can feel the air. It's sensitive. Like sometimes when I cut my own hair and I always have to check if there's hair on my back, there's these little pieces because whenever I put a t-shirt, I feel it everywhere. And it's like little things. You can feel every detail of your body. When something is wrong, only you know. You can diagnose what's wrong with your body. Therefore, we must be, we must be sensitive. And our heart must be sensitive. And when we forgive, when we have a forgiving heart, your heart becomes sensitive to know God and for God to move in your heart. Again, this was a letter to Philemon, his heart, so that his heart 
will not grow cold, will not become hardened like a rock. Paul writes to Philemon on the basis of love, or urging him to forgive for his sake, for his heart. Verse 12, I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. And what will Philemon do? That is up to him. If he chooses to accept or to reject, grace coming to him. I pray today that we would all receive the grace and peace by having forgiving hearts. Amen? And last point, point number five. Forgiveness aids us in living gracefully under God's sovereignty. I'm going to take my time here with this point, and I want you to really soak this point in in your heart. Don't let it go from one ear to the other. Again, forgiveness aids us, it aids you, it helps you in living gracefully under God's sovereignty, under God's sovereignty. May we live this life gracefully, amen? Understanding that our God is sovereign over our lives, over this world, over this earth. The goal is to live gracefully. And forgiveness helps us to go in that direction. Scripture reminds us that God works for the good for all those who love him. Amen? So no matter what we went through in our lives, it was not an accident that it was all for the redemption purpose for your life. You may compare your life to another person. You may see a person's life in a drama and say, God, why? Why is my life in this way? But that person's life is that way. Why does that person have more cars in their hands, more benefits? But for me, why did I grow up in this manner? But do not be a victim. Do not compare your life to another person. The fact that you are here today, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the greatest gift that you can have, that you can carry on for all of eternity. There are no chances, no things that happen by accident and maybe coincidences, but God allowed it to happen for his redemption purposes. And I know that's scary for us to accept. And I know that's hard for many of us to hear because there are people who have gone through many hard things. Maybe you have been assaulted when you were a child. When things happened to you, you grew up in a broken home. You grew up seeing things, had things that happened to you, unfair things that happened to you, things that you can't even share to other people because it's so shameful. But remember, God works good. For those, for all, those who love him. So no matter what you go through in life, no matter what unfairness happens in your life, no matter what type of injustice you go through in this life, forgiveness will help you. It will aid you to live gracefully 
to finally to be able to say, thank you, God, for all that happened to me. The good and the bad, just like Job. Job is a perfect example of someone who lived gracefully under God's sovereignty. At the end of your life, you will say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for 2020. Thank you, God, for 2018, for all that happened to our church. Thank you, Onesimus, that you stole from me. We'll be able to thank God for the injustice that has happened in our lives. Pastor MacArthur, he says this, perhaps Paul was suggesting that God providentially ordered the overturning of the evil of Onesimus' running away to produce eventual good. John Piper, he says, there are no limits to God's rule. This is part of what it means to be God. He is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. He is never helpless. He is never frustrated. He is never at a loss. And in Christ, God's awesome sovereign providence is a place we feel most reverent, most secure, most free. That's why Joseph, at the end of his story in Genesis chapter 50, I believe it's verse 20, what does he say? He said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. For what is now being done for the purpose, it's not in there, but it says, for the saving of many lives. Joseph, he could have stayed in bitterness. God, why did this happen to me? Why did my own family, my blood, my brothers, why would they sell me into slavery? When he was under Potiphar's house, I didn't even do anything with Potiphar's wife, and yet I'm in prison, wrongly accused. This injustice happening to me. Why am I in prison right now? But Joseph, he didn't grow in bitterness, but he grew in forgiveness. Again, he didn't grow in bitterness. He grew in forgiveness. Always grow in forgiveness. Never grow in bitterness. Never grow, allow bitterness, take hold of your life. Allow forgiveness to take hold of your life. That's why at the end, Joseph was finally able to say, you meant evil against me. You meant evil. But God meant it for good. The saving of many lives. You know the story. Through Joseph, there was a famine in the land, seven years of blessing, seven years of famine. Everyone, the world was dying. They all came to Egypt for grain and food. They came, his brothers came, and eventually they all moved to Egypt. And that's where the story of, you know, 400 years during slavery, and that's the story of Moses. That's, where, that's how Moses ends up the story. That's how the Israelites end up, they end up in Egypt, because of Joseph. But again, everything was done. It was not an accident. It was not a coincidence. It was done for the redemption purpose the plan that God had for us, the saving of many lives. Paul, he's just reminding him, listen, in heaven, you'll be together forever. 
there are no division, you'll be living in harmony, and you will be closer to the person that you are sitting next to than you, are, you will ever be on this earth when we're in heaven. There will be no division. Why are you guys laughing? You don't want to? Okay. Bye-bye. One of you go down. Kagai will choose and one of you go. There are no limit to God's rule. He is sovereign over everything. God works good for those who love him. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow for all of us. Because some of us, we've been through terrible things. You know, I speak to members, people, things that you've been through. I mean, I wish I could take all those away for you. You know, I wish that you didn't have to grow up that way or have experienced those things or have that kind of relationship with your parents, with your family members, stuff that happened to you when you were a child, when you couldn't even protect yourself. And I know it's hard for me to even say this, but listen, God works good for those who love him. You love him? Accept everything, the good and the bad, not just the good. For there's a redemption purpose behind it all. Forgiveness aids us in living gracefully under God's sovereignty. Only the mature can handle this phrase and this message. Because Job was mature enough. He went through all that trial and testing. And he came out alive and better than ever before. We must swallow this pill, not this easy Western Christianity. God loves you so much. Go and do whatever you want. God is not fair, always being a victim, victim mentality. But we deal with the cards that has been given to us, and we live gracefully under God's sovereignty. Earlier I mentioned in heaven, everything will be okay. That's why we can forgive. But again, this is only exclusively, only for those who are in Christ. For those of you who are listening, if you are not in Christ, you will not receive this invitation to heaven. We will not have eternity with heaven, with God. True forgiveness can occur. Again, point number one was the foundation. We must allow Christ to work. If Christ is not the foundation of forgiveness, there is no true forgiveness. Only in Christ can you experience true forgiveness, what it means to be forgiven. There's nothing that can be compared to the cross. When we say, the blood of Christ washes away my sins, he has forgiven our sins. I mean, do you understand the weight of that? The depth of that? The price of that? The passion of his love? The suffering of his love for us? May we not take God and his forgiveness for us for granted. As Christians, we are the most forgiven people in the world. Therefore, we must be the most forgiving people in the world. Even when 
you're mistreated. Again, it doesn't mean prematurely forgive and prematurely and then that same person who's still hurting you, you still act the same way and allow that person to hurt you over and over and over and over and over again. That's not what I'm talking about. You forgive, but you are wise. You keep that line. You keep that distance. You keep it safe. You allow the Holy Spirit to give you discernment how to make decisions, how to go about that relationship. But forgiveness is so important. You must forgive in order for you to be free. And again, it is a decision of the will. It's a choice that you make. It is not an emotional decision that you make and you take back. Oh, what is that? Takeies, take backsies? What is that? No, like kiss it. Take backsies. Takeies, like they. Well, come on, KP, help me. Work with kids. Takeies, like, what is it? Takeies. No backsies, no something. Huh? No, not find those keepers. I, I think Andy would have said that a lot when he was young. Find this keepers, loser, and then pushes you down. But he'll like betray you, <laughs> leave you. If you fall on the pit, he's like, okay, you're done. He leaves you. No, I'm kidding. Andy's very loyal. Right, Andy? Yes, okay. Okay. Easy, Andy? Run? Okay. All right, okay. Everything is yes. Is Dan loyal? No. Yes. Okay. But again, this is only exclusive for those in Christ. Heaven. In heaven, everything will be okay. The truth is, in this life, yes, you will be hurt. Yes, you will be hurt. Yes, you will be hurt, of course. I've been doing ministry for a while now. Yes, of course, you hurt, and then you also end up getting hurt. Yes, that's the nature that we live in. The nature of the nature that we live in. That's the nature of the game. But you must protect your heart. Let it be sensitive and soft. Don't grow in resentment. Don't grow in bitterness. It's not going to get you anywhere. And trust me, I've been in that place. It is not healthy. It is no good. There's a barrier between my relationship. It keeps me from growing closer to my Lord, Jesus Christ. Verse 15 through 16. Perhaps... The reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. I mean, Paul right here, he's introducing us the sovereignty of God. He's saying, if this never happened, then this wouldn't have happened. He's saying, be thankful, Philemon. Be thankful, Onesimus, for what happened to you guys, the broken relationship. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. If Onesimus never stole money, had run away, Onesimus would have never had received, had met Paul and received the relationship, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. That would have never happened. Be thankful for that. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So it is a command that when we are brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a command that 
we must forgive each other. Forgive. Don't hold on. Because if you hold on, we will never grow in our spiritual walk and our relationship with God. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Paul saying, just imagine, maybe if Onesimus never had done this terrible thing, then he wouldn't have come to me. And I wouldn't have introduced the gospel to him. I wouldn't have met him to become my spiritual son. The truth, remember this, and as I'm closing, remember this. We are all sinners saved by grace. No one person here is better elevated than the person than the person that is sitting next to you. We're all sinners saved by grace. Take a look at your neighbor. We're all sinners. You're looking at a sinner right now. Once a sinner, once a sinner. Andy, look at him. Dan, look at him. What you looking? Dan, look at Tony. Tony, look at Dan. Tony's like, you're still a sinner, Dan. You're still a sinner. We were all once sinners, but saved by the grace of God. Do not forget that we were all a sinner. That you were a sinner once too. Saved by his grace. That's why the Bible goes over and over again to meditate and to reflect of your past. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says, remember, 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 remember. God tells the Israelites, remember as they were in the desert. Remember. Don't forget, Israelites. Don't get spoiled, Israelites. Don't get too comfortable, Israelites. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. But you are so quick to forget. May we not fall into that category, into that group where we forget so easily of what God has done for us. Deuteronomy 24, 18. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. But again, the goal is not to stay sick in the hospital is to get better, right? The church is a place for us to grow and to be sanctified and to be renewed in our walk and to grow mature more than yesterday, to love God more today than I did yesterday, to hasten more today than yesterday. It's about growth. It's about maturity. Remember, remember, remember that you are all one slaves. Remember. Closing with this. The key is we are no longer sinners. We are sinners transformed into saints. Amen? So the person that you're sitting next to is not a sinner anymore, but they are saints transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The devil. He wants us to see ourselves in a broken state, current state. But we must see and see the way that God sees us. We must change the way, listen to me, Daniel, the way you think about yourself, 
we must see the way God sees us. We've been transformed. How? By the cross. The cross that was shed for me. Can we all read this together? 2 Corinthians 5.16 Ready? 1, 2, 3 From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We no longer look at each other in worldly point of view. How do people see each other in a worldly point of view? They see competition, jealousy, loyalty but not loyalty, betrayal, hurt. They use you. They say they love you, but one day they love you, the next day they don't love you. But we see each other and we must see each other from a spiritual point of view that we are united and that we are called to forgive and to be forgiven. Amen? Do we not sin against Christ all the time? Do we not fall into sin all the time? Yes, we do. Paul was, once was a sinner. Finally, man, you were also once a sinner. Onesimus, you were once a sinner. So were you, Philemon, and so were you, Onesimus. Therefore, we all fall in the same boat, and we're floating on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The things that you have been hurt by, betrayed by, these are all occasions for grace and for forgiveness to move in your life. Amen? Greater the hurt, greater the forgiveness doesn't matter. Small to big, forgive. True restoration will take time from broken relationships, but it begins with forgiveness. Amen? Go forgive and be forgiven, and let us heal Christ's body. Go and be free from the suffocation of, of forgiveness. Go and be released. And one thing I want to mention as I'm closing, and this is very important, and please listen to me. It's not just about forgiving others, but it's also about forgiving yourself. Forgive yourself for what has happened or for what you did. Do not stay in the place, in that bitterness, or in that prison. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. You have been forgiven by God. Why are you not forgiving yourself? Are you greater than God? Are your emotions and feelings greater than God? God says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. If I, even I, for my own name's sake, remembers your sins no more. He chooses to remember our sins no more. You have been forgiven. Forgiven. Because you have repented, you have turned to him. You are a forgiven individual. Amen? So with that, can we just close our eyes? With the luxury of time that we have right now,
I want us to take a moment right now to reflect on the message. I want you to go down memory lane and the life that you've lived so far, thus far. I want you to go ahead and face all the things that has happened, all the difficult moments. And may we accept them and confront them. And may we choose today to forgive these people, those people, these individuals who have hurt you and from these people that you've been betrayed by. And let us take a moment to release. Fear me. Release them. Release them. Forgive them. Do not be a prisoner anymore. Stop drinking the poison of bitterness and unforgiveness. Forgive and let go and be released and be set free. Be set free today. Forgive yourself. Let go. Let go of the guilt. Let go of the shame. It's been washed. It's been bought. It's been washed by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Let us pray with our voices, with the whispers of our hearts. You don't have to pray loud. You don't have to pray quiet. Just be free. Pray in the way that the Spirit leads. Let us pray. Pray with our hearts. Let us ask God to give us a soft heart. Let us pray together. Father, remove from us the heart of stone. But give us a heart of flesh to feel you once again. Lord, help us to forgive and to release the people, God, that have hurt and betrayed. I pray, God, that you would strengthen each one of our members right now. And for those who have heard the message and who are listening to the message. God, that will be set free today. We'll be set free from all the hurt and the pain. That God, that will be like Joseph. That God, that what you intended for evil, what people intended for evil, God, you used it for good. You intended for good for the very purpose of the saving of many lives. We will never know why. We will not have the answer always of why it happened to us. But Lord, we know that God in the end, we can accept for God in you. God, all are restored. One day when we take our final breath, we will finally understand when we're in heaven with you. You will make everything clear for us. In the meantime, God, we will trust and we'll follow. We'll follow you in faith through the good and through the bad. In you, in you we find rest. In you, we find our death, my emptiness. It all makes sense. It will all make sense. For God, everything will be revealed in heaven. 
continue praying. While we're praying, I'm going to invite the praise team. Let's continue praying. Let's continue praying with our eyes closed and head bowed. Let's not get sidetracked or distracted. Forgive your mother, forgive your father, forgive your brother, forgive your sister, forgive your friend, forgive the ones who have brought harm into your life, release them, release them, release them, release them, be free, be set free. power of Christ to come upon you, the spirit of Christ to come upon you, and to give you grace and peace as Philemon received. Receive this letter. This letter is not just for Philemon. This letter is not just for Onesimus. This letter is not just for Paul. It's a letter to us. It's a letter to you, and it's a letter to the church of this generation. Forgive. Be reconciled. Forgive and be forgiven. Forgive and be forgiven. Be forgiven. Be forgiven today. Forgive yourself today. Release yourself. The prison of your mind. Release. Be released. Be released. Be set free. You are free in Christ. You are no longer bound. Stop sitting in the jail cell. Stop sitting inside the prison. Get out. The door is open. Get out. Be set free today. Be set free. Be set free. Be set free. Be set free today. Spare with you. Can we all stand to our feet? We're going to start with verse 1. Let us make the song our prayer before God. Let us sing together.
I'm rich. Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you have to do. I choose to prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you, Philemon, for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. In the past, he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and to me. How? Because now he is in the kingdom of God. He is a fellow brother in Christ. I am sending him. I am sending Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. I would like to keep him 
with me so that he could take your place and helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will not seem forced but will be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, but as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you welcome me. May we welcome one another today in the church. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. And that's what Christ did for us. He charged it all on the cross. And our debt has been paid for. Charge it to me. Charge it to me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the benefit that we have as a Christian and for the cross that we have. It is not a jewelry that we wear, something pretty to look at. But God, we are here today because we are We are all here forgiven people. Who here deserves any forgiveness, God? None. Certainly not me. Not me, Lord. For my heart is too crooked. But God, you've called us people who are low and broken for your kingdom and for your purpose. And because you have forgiven us, we now have the power and the strength and the courage to forgive and to release the people that have hurt us, O oh God. And also, God, forgive us if we have been the ones who have been hurting others. Forgive us, Lord, for God, for not being gentle and kind and being patient, being graceful. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins and for my rebellion and for my stubbornness and for my pride. Lord, we look to you, God, today as God's people who have been forgiven by the blood that was shed for us on the cross. I pray, God, that we will love one another and that we will release one another and that we will release ourselves from the prison that we are sitting in today. Father, we love you so much for this message and for your timely message and for the season that we're in today. We thank you for this building, but the church is not the building, God. The church is the community and the body of the people who are in it. You give and you take. Whether we have, whether we don't, we will worship you. Even in a parking lot or even in our own cars. Whether we have an office, not an office. Whether we have one, two, three, or 50, 100,000, doesn't matter. We will approach your throne the same way, the same conviction, with urgent hearts. Lord, we honor you. We're here for you and to worship you and you alone. Everything we do, we do it for you, God. We thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray.
God's people pray. Amen. 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 Amen.